conclusion inevitable. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. My conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. In conclusion. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to In Conclusion, the only movie podcast that confesses their deepest, darkest secrets at the beginning of the episode. I'm Dan O'Keefe, and I woke up at 6.20 to hear the announcement for when a Chicago radio station would be switching over to Christmas music. And joining me, as always, is Anna Otto. Anna, what's your biggest secret? I like to watch Pokemon unboxings live on TikTok. (laughs) That's not a secret. That's a confession. To a crime. I don't have a good secret. I don't have a good secret. I was trying to set you up to say that. So Okay, good. Just making sure. I was like, my nails are usually fake. That's kind of a secret, I guess. (laughs) Except usually when people compliment me on them, I go, thanks, they're fake. So that's where I'm at. That's the Midwestern way to do it. Like, thanks, I got these pants at Kohl's for $17. Yeah, literally. One time the lady who was serving us at the counter at Portillo's was like, I love your nails, girl. And I was like, thank you. They're fake. She's like, literally don't tell people that. I was like, oh, whoops. Some thoughts are inside thoughts. She's like, I would have thought they were from a salon. I was like, thank you. They're not. They're from Walgreens. Like... (laughs) Um, So aside from your fake nails, how are you? Um, Dan, I'm kind of mad at you. Okay. I understand that I put you through hell all of Halloween. Uh-huh. I feel like I paid my penance with this movie. I had never seen this. Neither. I, I am in the same boat with you. Dan, it was really sad. I know. You put me through physical hell. I'm putting us through emotional hell. I will say, though, I was really excited. I love that 70s show. So, Kurtwood Smith, his name came up on the screen, and I went, Red Foreman! And Gage was like, what? And I was like, that's him. He's like, I don't know. So I had him Google it, and he was like, yeah, that's Red. And I was like, I know. That's well, you mean he didn't Foreman. recognize him by immediately well, when he showed up in the first scene of the movie? No, we were. I was looking at the um, the credits at the okay. beginning, so this was before he had appeared. Mm. Once he appeared on screen, we were like, yeah, Red. I love that 70s show. They want to reboot it. They're doing a version of it where he and kitty are coming back yeah nobody else is coming back though right i don't think so i think it's gonna be in the 90s i mean i guess everybody could come back except for hyde because the actor is a douche canoe yes which is sad because hyde was my favorite character but you know separate the art from the artist the artist is a piece of poo poo i i have to congratulate my younger self give me a a Hardy pet on the back. Never liked Hyde. Hyde was always... Hyde and Jackie were both my least favorite. Oh my god, no. The season where they dated was my everything. And I... Really liked Hyde. I'm really sad now. I guess I'm just in the mood to talk yeah, about the Yeah, speaking of sad, the movie that we're... on the bright side, nothing that <laughs> happened in this movie is a reflection of the actors in real life, I hope. I hope. I mean, maybe that uh, the, when they were young men, they all bonded together. That'd be a well, good I reflection. I hope they didn't do anything that then got covered up by the Scientologist church, but that's fine. 
Anyway. You never know. Anyway, the movie we're talking about today is Dead Poet Society, uh, directed by Peter Weir, written by Tom Shulman, produced by Stephen Haft, Paul Younger, Witt, and Tony Thomas, starring Robin Williams, Robert Sean Leonard, Ethan Hawke, Josh Charles, Gail Hansen, Norman Lloyd, and Kurtwood Smith, among others. Ethan Hawke looks exactly the same. Yeah, he didn't change much. Just his hair. He's got more defined features now. Less baby Mm. face. He lost some baby fat. But other than that, I actually recognized him. I was like, that's Ethan Hawke. And then a couple times I did have some face blindness. And I went, is that Ethan Hawke? And Gage went, no. And I went, oh, wait. Then I recalibrated and things were okay. Uh, Produced by Touchstone Pictures. Distributed by Buena Vista Pictures Distribution. Disney. Uh, Released on June 2nd, 1989 with a budget of $16.4 million and made $235.9 million at the box office. That feels like a low budget. I, I mean, those are the kind of mov- these are the kind of movies they don't make anymore. The low to mid budget adult I mean, drama. Most of that money probably went to the actors considering there were like three total sets and... Mm-hmm. You honestly could have shot a lot of them. Like, the school obviously is one set. And then the house, you could literally shoot the same thing in the same house. Or the different scenes in the same house, but from different angles. And nobody would ever know. So. And they didn't have to build any sets either. These were all shot on location in Delaware, I believe. Yeah. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 85% approval rating. Uh, Feels high. Affecting performances from the young cast and a genuinely inspirational turn from Robin Williams, Grant Peter Weir's prep school drama Top Honors, reads the critical consensus. Roger Ebert, however... Uh-oh, scathing. Two stars out of four. He criticized Robin Williams for spoiling an otherwise credible dramatic performance by occasionally veering into his onstage comedian's persona. What? And he lamented that for a movie set in the 50s, there was no mention of the Beat Generation writers. He described the film as a poorly constructed collection of pious platitudes. The movie pays lip service to qualities and values that, on the evidence of the screenplay itself, it is cheerfully willing to abandon. That feels mean for no reason it does feel needlessly harsh uh i didn't like have a whoa this is the best time of my life this is my favorite movie sort of time with it but i didn't hate it and i also thought like i mean it's one of robin williams most revered performances i would think Mm -hmm. he was nominated for best actor um which i think was the wrong category to nominate him in, but whatever. Um, and then what the, do you mean? He was a supporting actor. Oh yeah, because Cheekbones was the lead. Yeah, the guy from House. Yeah, I called him Cheekbones because I didn't know his name. I called him the guy from House. Mm. <laughs> Robert Sean Leonard is the actor's his, name. His cheekbones were literally so high; they were practically in his forehead. I was shook. He was a good-looking little... Like, that sounds weird. That's Say it. Weird Finish the loud. sentence. No. <laughs> he was a handsome young man. You know? Like, he was. He had very striking features. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, I don't know what this guy looks like as an adult, but I want to see if those cheekbones are still looking just as sharp today. Not quite. No, is he looking like... No, he looks fine. Name? He just looks like an older version of himself. It's not quite as sharp. I'll do a group. Um, What's his name again? Robert? Yeah, Robert Sean Leonard. The movie was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and it won Best Original Screenplay. Uh, Update, this guy just looks like a dad. He right? literally looks like the dad of someone I went to high school with. Yeah, he looks like a guy that lives down the street from you. Yeah, like, hey, Bob, mowing the lawn again? Like, that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. You know? I saw Goody Dan uh, talking So Tom the Shulman, the, the writer of the movie, Ooh. after, in the same year that he wrote Dead Poet Society, he also wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <gasps> I mean, gotta lighten it up, you know? <laughs> And the rest of his films are uh, What About Bob with Richard Dreyfus and Bill Murray. Uh, and the only other one I've heard of is Me, Myself, and Irene. He didn't write. He was only the executive producer of it. He did not have a, um illustrious screenwriting career, it seems. Hmm. Hmm. He's not written anything in yeah, no. what is now 17 years. The Ray well, Romano I mean, film, Welcome to Mooseport, was his oh last God. film. You know, I'm just going to say he took the money from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Dead Poet Society. And he was like, chef's kiss. Mwah. I really killed it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Do you know that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was originally written as a drama? How? I don't know, but he re- he rewrote it as a comedy, so good job. Yeah, I mean, Rick Moranis is in it, so obviously it's going to be funny, right? Like, how in... W- it- I'm just trying to fathom a way that that could be serious, ever. The idea of shrinking children is, is humorous to begin with. The kids keep shrinking until they, they die. Disappear? Something okay, like that. Okay, that's a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> only a little honey i shrunk the kids to death like <laughs> honey i shrunk the kids let's go on vacation mm-hmm. um let's let's get into it let's do it let's sob ourselves to sleep um can't wait so it is autumn of 1959 and it makes me want to move to vermont um, oh, the leave peeping, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It is the beginning of a new school year at Welton Academy, an elite all-male prep school in Vermont. And mm, Beautiful season out there. Um, Ethan Hawke, shy Todd Anderson, is beginning he his junior year. had like five lines. <laughs> yeah, but he stared a lot. I know, I was like... He's arguably the most famous of all the teenagers right not arguably he's most definitely the most famous of all the teenagers and he he i mean based off of this movie i would have thought that he would like i would have thought cheekbones would have been the famous one Mm -hmm. full offense cheekbones you let me down um so he is assigned neil perry cheekbones as his roommate and he meets the group of friends Richard Cameron, Stephen Meeks, Gerard Pitts, Charlie Dalton, and I'm saving the best name for last. Oh, no. Knox Overstreet. 
Literally, I kept calling him Corridor Overstreet. He sounds. His name sounds like the word lacrosse. What? Max Overstreet, I guess. It doesn't sound actually sound, but it has the same emotion. I feel the same. When I hear the word lacrosse, I hear Knox Overstreet in my mm. heart. The only difference is one of those is painfully white. And the other one is lacrosse? Yeah, that's a Native American word. I, yeah, it? the word, but... It, Maybe it's French. My I'm, metaphor isn't going too well listen, here. Listen, the cities in Wisconsin all have very colorful names. I'm talking about the sport. I don't know. The sport oh. played by a bunch of white guys. The sport originated as a native sport. Look it up. I know. Happy November. <laughs> what? It's Native American History Month. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for teaching yes, me something new. Boom, Dan, you learned today, son. So, um, these group of friends, they all go, they have their first day of class. And there's a new English teacher in school. The old English teacher either died or retired, I don't remember. Literally Uh, went back to the crypt since every other teacher is a thousand years old. They're introduced to the the new, young, hip English teacher, a former student of this boarding school, John Keating. A former Rhodes Scholar. He wants the children to make their lives extraordinary. He has them read this book about how to judge poetry on a scale. And then he's like, rip it out. Rip it out. So he's an unorthodox it was a teacher. Little, it was a little much for me, man. It was a little It was a little intense. I, I honestly would have been the same with the like hesitancy to rip pages out of my book. I've been like, I paid 200 bucks for this. I don't want to rip the pages out. It's 1959. You paid 50 cents for that book. Oh, you're right. And I was happy to do it. <laughs> um, so his his whole thing is he wants these kids to seize the day. Carpe diem. And that is that is that his classic guiding motto. scene right out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, this really bookends. The movie really bookends itself with the classic scenes. It does. Why, who, de- like, who decided the most iconic scenes of this movie were going to be at the beginning and the end? That's it. Tom, the guy who wrote it. Wow, good job, Tom. Tom really Shulman. Picked, if this was an album, those were the singles he picked, you know? Mm-hmm. He really did a good job. Unorthodox album or organization, though. To put your singles at the beginning. First and last? Normally you want them like three, four, five. Oh, really? Hmm. I mean, now it doesn't matter because nobody listens to albums in order or like... Oh, sometimes I do. Like, if somebody drops an anticipated album, I listen to that shit. Mm. Like, when Lil Nas X dropped his album, I listened to it. Is, yeah. that, is that the whole story? Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I liked it. It just sounded like you had so much more to go with, and then it ended. It was like, I listened to the album. That's it. it. I was That's in the it. car. Gage and I were driving to rehearsal one day. Like... World build. I need more. Um, We're in the car. We're on our way to Okanabawak. Also, Cheekbones, his dad is grumpy and domineering and red foreman. Please. Yes. Thank you. Um, He makes him drop out of working on the yearbook. He doesn't want him to be an actor. He wants him to focus on his studies, focus on his schoolwork. He's a, I mean, you, your kid could be an actor and you're still focusing on the studies. I mean, my mom... I wanted to be an actress, and she still was like, that's fine, but you don't get to do theater if your grades suck, so... Yeah, that's basically how it was with everybody that I knew in theater in, like, yeah. high school. It was 
They they and did it's it. It's just like, and a lot of them I mean, were really smart. Oh yeah, I mean, most I'm. I can't even tell you, like, Veronica, our friend Veronica, was the valedictorian in the College of Communications mm-hmm. theater major. Same with I think AJ, AJ was. Magoon, too. Yeah. And uh, a couple years before us, like, it, it, a lot of times, the theater people, they're smart cookies. It's because they got that memorization down. They got something. They all think we're walking around here with photographic memories. When could I get a, just get a crumb of a photographic memory? <laughs> Please, forget everything. Um... So, the after the first day of class, after the carpe diem, um, they are in the cafeteria looking over the old yearbook. And they see that Mr. Keating, John Keating, he was in a club called the Dead Poets Society. Ominous. Truly ominous. And they're like, what that? I have something to say. Controversial opinion. Because we're gonna, because we're gonna shortly get into the thing where Robin Williams tells them what the Dead Poet Society is. Uh-huh. I know that this movie is. How do I put this? Did this movie feel slightly romantic to you? Yes. Not like in a love way, but like in a platonic friendship way, and also like in a in a love way. The, yeah, like in the way they were talking. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You could, if you flip around like three lines in this movie, it is a romance. I'm so glad you agree with me because I said to Gage, I was like, why do I feel like somebody's going to kiss? Like, I (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who, I don't know when, I don't know where, but it it feels to me like a kiss might be on the horizon. (laughs) On Letterboxd, Mm -hmm. the overarching theme of the reviews mm-hmm. um, the the fourth highest rated review with 1800 mm-hmm. likes mm-hmm. this is a film about being gay oh my god thank you <laughs> I was like I don't mean to sound like a bad person I mean this in the most harmless way possible but this is the gayest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that too. And I, I I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I Absolutely not. I genuinely mean it in a, this is very... This is like romantic This is, this is giving love me between two men, name. yeah. This is giving me Moonlight. This is giving me Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> this is giving me <laughs> Lil Nas X's album. Like It is, yeah. I loved it. I loved every second of it. But uh, it was gay. So, Mr. Keating tells him what the Dead Poet Society was. It was a secret club where they met in, I'm going to say, Native American cave. Thank um, you. A cave. They met, they in, met in a, a cave. cave. And they would recite poetry and get life lessons and all that stuff. And just have a general, you know, um, enhancing their life with literature. And I'm like, man, this is guys being dudes. I loved that's what we mean when we say boys being boys. Yeah. Reading poetry in a cave, smoking a pipe with your friends. Figuring Nowadays out how to it probably would be vaping. Figuring out how to romance. It's everything you want. Mm-hmm. Um they decide, you know what? Let's start up the club. Um uh, so Neil convinces everybody to go I at midnight to go to the cave. One more thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
The line that stuck with me that I can't get out of my head that I think was one of the most, dare I say, sexual. Okay. Was when Robin Williams was like, the words were dripping from our tongues <laughs> like honey. Yeah. I was like, I'm not. I am not thinking what I thought I was going to think going into. I thought it was going to be boring, boring, dry, 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 boring, dry. I literally said to Gage, I thought the saddest part of this movie was that Robin Williams gets fired. Okay, well, we learned. You thought that was the saddest part of the movie? I thought that was the plot. I thought they all oh, beforehand. gets okay. fired. Yeah. No, damn. <laughs> but, like, I'm watching this, and then he says that line. I'm like, this is not what I thought it was. Something's going on here. This is... Maybe it's true what they say. Maybe in the right tones, poetry is... You know, as romantic as people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. The yeah, outlook getting... wasn't bright for the Mudville Nine. That, that is day. not a sexy poem, Dan. <laughs> the score stood four to two with that but poem, one more to play. I have never been less turned on <laughs> than when I hear that poem, Dan. Uh, also, the, at one point, Keating has the kids do the improv walk around discover your walk exercise oh my god it was literally a theater class and i was having vietnam flashbacks to doing that and i was like everybody do a silly walk gage and i were literally yelling you are a plant feel your core rooted to the ground walk as though you are trying to remove that core stretch to the sun we were like um oh. The next poetry class, Mr. Keating has the boys stand on their desks to see the world from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he has them, he assigns them to write an original poem to bring to next class. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are like, oh yeah, cool, that'll be fun. And then Todd is frightened and Keating knows he's frightened. And he calls him out in front of class saying, this shit scares Todd, doesn't it? Poor Ethan. Uh, and Todd just looks on with his puppy dog eyes. His little sad eyes and his little sad bull hair. Listen, I know that it was supposed to be the 50s, but those haircuts, when did this movie come out? 1989. Yeah, that, that hair was <laughs> direct from the late 80s, early 90s. Full stop. Mm-hmm. Um, the next... Er, Keating is at dinner with other teachers... Uh, and the Latin teacher is like, you're taking a big risk, making them think that they're artists. He's like, oh, my God. I went on such a rant with uh, with Gage. Uh-huh. I was like, dude, nobody likes the teachers who don't encourage. You always think back to the teachers who, like, did encourage you and were like, you might not be the best artist out there, but you should definitely explore your artistic side. That's a good teacher. Man. Mm-hmm. Someone who encourages you to explore and learn. Every different aspect of your life, even if you're not going to be the greatest person at it. Yeah, it's like I, I remember my algebra teacher. You may not be the best mathematician out there, but I encourage you to explore your number side. I I wish I had a math teacher like that. <laughs> I did not have a math teacher like that. Can you imagine? I had math teachers who were like, Anna, it's two plus two. I don't understand what you don't understand. I'm like, me either, fam. That's why we're here. <laughs> Oh, now I'm thinking of proofs and geometry. Proof? The play? No. Oh. No. Proofs. Mm. We had to prove that 2 plus 2 equals 4. At one mm. point, I think on a test, I wrote, because it does. 
and turned it in and but walked out. I hated math. I'm sorry to everyone who loves math. I was just so painfully bad at it that I definitely just, like, my senior year of high school, I was like, I'm just going to have to marry somebody who's good at math one day. Is that how it works? Do you? I, I hope so. You know, some Is some it the women, law? Some women chase after men with money. Some women chase after men with looks. I wanted a man who's good at math. The bar could not possibly be lower. <laughs> the bar is the floor. The bar is through the floor. It's in the basement. Uh, so, yeah, the other teachers, they don't like this radical new teaching approach. Oh, fun in the classroom? I think not. Uh, Neil attempts to seize his day by auditioning for a role in A Midsummer's Night's Dream. Um, mm-hmm. And he actually gets, he gets cast as Puck. Good for cheekbones. You know, good for cheekbones. Good for cheekbones. That's uh, a that's a big role for those of you who don't know. It is arguably the lead. It is the lead. I say arguably because I've never read it. Uh, oh, it is the lead. More or less. I mean, I guess you could say the couples are leads too, but I'd say Puck is like the iconic role considering I don't even remember. Like it's Hermia and Helena and Lysander and... The other one, so I don't know. <laughs> I like the fairy scenes better, which is like Titania and Oberon and mm-hmm. Bottom and yeah. Uh, Those are the fairies. Knox is attempting to seize his day by seizing his crush, Christine. Oh my god, he needs to let sleeping dogs lie. If she's with somebody else, he needs to move on. I'm she's sorry. She's with Chet. Come on, Knox. This is the whitest couple in the world. They're the Chet. whitest love triangle. Chet, Christine, and Knox. I, I hate to say it, but you're in high school. The chances of her being with you or this guy forever are slim to none. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to just wait, buddy, pal. Don't be a poo-poo head about it. <laughs> and she's, in turn, being a poo-poo head, too, by letting herself be toyed with both of these boys. She likes the attention. I'll say it. I've been there. I also liked the attention when I was younger. Look at me now, haggard. Yeah, look at you now not liking the attention. I hate attention. Anytime anyone talks to me, hands immediately on sight. <laughs> Get away from me. Um, and Neil needs to, he forges his father's signature to be allowed to get cast. Because um, he needed permission to do that. Uh, the next day in class, everybody's reciting their poems. And he tell, calls on Todd to recite his poem. Uh, but Todd didn't write anything. Writer's block. He's too scared. Scared to put the first word down. The outlook wasn't bright. Dan, (laughs) that is not the poems that that we're talking about. That is not a romantic poem. I know no other poems. You don't know any other poems? That's it. Roses are red, violets are blue. The outlook wasn't bright for the Mudville Nine that day. My mom, when I was younger, my mom read that Caroline Kennedy memorized a bunch of poems when she was growing up uh-huh. so my mom had me try to memorize a bunch of poems when i was growing up in hopes that you would be the next caroline kennedy i don't think so but she just really idolized like jackie onassis and like really really thought and like really looked up to caroline kennedy and stuff like that like she, thought she it was is so glamorous. she's a catholic woman from the mid-century that makes sense 
Yeah, is that read or does that read? Yeah. She definitely has jewelry from the Jackie O collection on QVC. Like. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, Mr. Keating bullies him until he comes up with a poem on the spot. Oh, God. Um, Another scary, yet somehow sensual scene. And yeah. I don't like saying that because it's literally between a teacher and a kid. But... Todd's eyes and Cheekbone's eyes, when they meet during this scene, that's love. There is love Those between two, them. There, the scene where Cheekbones grabs the paper away from Todd and he's like reciting. I think he's reciting Shakespeare to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That was craziness. I'm really glad that everybody else in the Dead Poet Society community also thinks that this was... The Dead Poet Society community? Yes. Is that like the Pokemon card opening community? I I don't know, because I think a lot of the people in the Dead Poet Society communities are like, people who are like, nah, this is a movie about brotherhood. (laughs) Like everybody who gets the wrong message about it, and they're like, yes, that school is a good thing. Yeah, no. And you're like, it's gay. This whole thing is so gay. (laughs) And they're like, what? No, it couldn't be. Uh, I, the next night, the, the boys go to the cave, have another meeting. Knox gets pipes. the courage to, to phone Christine. And she invites him to a party at the Danbury home. Nothing can go wrong at a party in a movie. Uh, especially not one with the public school kids. Mm-hmm. Those dang public schoolers, Dan. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my education was paid by your tax dollars. Dan, I went to public school, too. (laughs) I'm sorry that our education was paid by tax dollars. Yeah, look where it got us. Radical opinions about what the Dead Poets Society is about. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking it's hosting a middling podcast, so don't let anyone say that your dreams can't be achieved. Don't let your dreams be dreams, you know what I'm saying? Okay, thank you, Shia LaBeouf. You're welcome. Um, Todd gets a gift for his birthday that is the same desk pen set that his parents got him last year. And then Neil and Todd share a romantic scene together. Thank God you said it was romantic also. Oh my lord, it was romantic. You want to know, this this movie was drifting with sexual tension. Mm -hmm. History will say they were friends, you know what I'm saying? History, History will say lovers. they were best friends. Roommates. I mean, they were roommates, and they were roommates. It's like how on Supermarket Sweep, it was always lifelong best friends and roommates. Yep. For the These are lifelong best friends and roommates. Well, one life. One lifelong. Spoilers if you're watching along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Knox goes to Christine's party, and... <clears throat> Her kegger. Yeah. 50s kegger. There's a makeout corner in the basement. There's drunk football players everywhere. I never Truly went to any party in high schools. Were they Truly. like this? I messed up the uh, I mean, pluralization of that sentence. I didn't go to any parties in high school. It's not that I didn't go to any party in high schools. But my point still oh stands. Oh god, Dan. I uh, hosted a party in high school, but it was nothing like this. Okay. 
It was a cast party, and my parents were home. Mm-hmm. My parents' friends came. I'm over not considering cast food. parties. Oh, amongst the. I mean, I, 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 I'm not trying to stop your story, but I'm thinking of like. You know, like, high school parties, man. Yeah, no, I never went to anything like that. The craziest thing that happened was one time when I was in high school, a friend snuck alcohol during our family New Year's Eve party, and I, like, (gasps) had a full panic attack about it. I was like, vodka? I could never. They're like, Anna, if you want some, try some. It's really not a big deal. And I was like, no. But what if Jesus finds out? Literally. (laughs) I found out that same friend did a lot of other sketchy stuff, too, and I was like, girl, she's totally normal now, but looking back, I was like, are you acting out? (laughs) This is going to really show how cool I was and am. Um, Oh, yeah? But I am always very surprised to hear, like, whenever somebody tells me that they were like, yeah, no, I'll go to, like, high school parties. I'd be drinking and stuff. Like, I only Mm -hmm. drink the kind of stuff in high school, and I was like, you drank in high school? Oh, my what? God. Yeah, today at work, we were talking about when we had our first sip of beer, and one of my coworkers was like, I had a Bud Light at 14, and I was like, 14? Uh. I don't think I had a whole alcoholic beverage till I was in college. Full stop. I was 19, and it was a vodka lemonade. Ooh, was it? It wasn't at... No, it was at uh, my friend's apartment. Oh, thank God. I was really worried that it was going to be in my apartment. I was like, Dan, I don't want to be the one who served you underage alcohol. Um, but I didn't have my first... Parents who host lose the most, you know? I know. I didn't have my first beer. I don't think I had a beer until I was of legal drinking age. Beer is an acquired taste. Not missing. Acquired tastes aren't real. That's my strongest take. They're not really? real. You're just lying to yourself. I don't know, because I used to not like pistachios, and I like them now. <laughs> I've acquired the taste Do for you like pistachios. Them or have you numbed yourself enough to them? Well, they're sweet chili, so I just like the sweet chili part mostly. Mm. Okay. So I guess that's cheating. <laughs> anyway, back to the high school party. Um, <laughs> anyway. He tries to, to get... The, the football players try to get him to join in to toast his brother. Um, he doesn't have a brother. He doesn't have a brother. That we know of. Yeah. Um, and then he gets drunk and... Goes to try and kiss a passed out Christine on the couch. I had such anxiety because in today's world, that's a no-no, honey. Mm -hmm. And it should have been back then, too. That's not a vibe, Knox. Do not kiss drunk, passed out people. He he was almost living up to his name of Knox Overstreet. Yeah, he really was. He was really living up to prep school Knox for a second there. Um, I want to like him, too, but that move, not smooth. Not smooth. Do not kiss passed out people. So Mouth to mouth is acceptable if they need to be resuscitated, but only if they need to be resuscitated. Thank you. PSA. <laughs> he gets punched out by Chet, uh, who is Christine's <coughs> boyfriend. Yes. I don't want, I don't like Chet. No, he's your regular old F boy. Full stop. Yeah. Um, There's nothing special about Chet. Except for the name Chet. Do you know what Chet's short for? Chester. No, it's actually short for The Outlook Wasn't Bright for the Mudville 9 to that Chet. Dan? (laughs) I am literally going to fly out to California just so I can smack me. Yeah, please. I'm on Um, my way. (laughs) 
So the the next day, um, they go to another DPS meeting, Dead Poet Society, as it's you know commonly known. Mm, yes, DPS. Department of Public Safety. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Charlie invited some girls to the meeting. Weird um, girls, if you ask me. They don't seem to have personalities. Exactly. I think the characters were written as two dimensional. Hmm. That's a, that's uh, high praise, giving them a second dimension. I just meant physical, and <laughs> what's the second one? I don't know. <laughs> Fine, one-dimensional, um, which is worse. Charlie signs the letter, um, trying to get them to accept the Dead Poets Society as an actual club at the school. Oh, isn't Charlie the one who changes his name to... What does he call himself? It's something offensive. It's uh, it's like an arrow. I'm trying to remember what it is. Um, he changes his name from Charlie to. It starts with an N. Like it's like lightning bolt or something. No, he changes it to a native word or something, or something that's supposed to sound like one. Yeah, I can't figure it out right now, but yeah. Narwanda. Something like that. Narwanda. It's something like that, I swear. I, You're correct. I can't figure out what the name that he changes it to, though. But he does. Mm-hmm. Um, so the headmaster has a meeting with Charlie. He's like, who else is in the Dead Poet Society? Char- oh, God. Charlie doesn't tell him. He gets a little spanky spank. He gets... I hated that, but I did keep yelling, Peglin... Pe- you started Peglin yelling, Peg, peg him? What? No, no! I started yelling Paddle and Peggy because that's a reference to um, to King of the Hill when Peggy brings back the paddle mm-hmm. unintentionally. She gets really mad and she has this paddle and she's like walking around the classroom like trying to scare the kids and then she gets really pissed off at, I think, Joseph Gribble. She paddles him mm. right on the butt. Anyway, watch King of the Hill too. It's my favorite. Uh, so... The headmaster talks to Keating, and he's like, I know what you're doing. Um, and then Keating talks to, to Charlie, and he's like, his exact quote, Sucking the marrow out of life doesn't mean choking on the bone. I mean, he needed to hear it, you know what I yeah, mean? he's he correct. to be told to chill the fuck out in yeah. not so many words. Gone too far. Pull back. Simmer down. Mm-hmm. Can you relax for two seconds? You are literally going so hard, nobody else is going to have the opportunity to have any fun. You're ruining it for us. Speaking of ruining it for us, Red Foreman returns, finds out that Neil is in the play, and he's like, you're quitting. You gotta quit. Yeah, he's like, I found out that from somebody that my niece was, or that their niece was doing a show with you, and I said, that is simply not possible. What? What is so... You know what really boggles me, Dan? Mm. And I was mentioning this to Gage, too. It kind of makes me laugh when I'm watching these shows and actors are, like, playing the role of somebody who thinks theater is stupid. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you're literally an actor. <laughs> <laughs> America, explain. Like, but, but I guess Gage mentioned that Kurtwood Smith said that when he saw, he, like, went back and saw the movie at a theater or something. Yeah. Yeah. And when the movie was done, he walked out and he saw a man who had seen it, like, I'm guessing alone or something, like, wiping tears out of his eyes. And it was, like, because 
he was kind of a hard ass or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, really I think the, the story is he saw, before he went in to see the movie, mm-hmm. he saw him being like a disciplinarian with his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as after after the movie, he walked out and the guy seemed like genuinely moved because he probably saw a reflection of himself on mean. screen and hopefully did not want that outcome. No, I if I was a parent, I most certainly would not want that outcome. Thank you. That sh- that's good. That should you know, be a baseline. That's bare minimum. Yeah. Um, Neil talks to Keating and Keating encourages him to tell his father how he feels. Um, and <sighs> he doesn't tell him, but he, then he says to Mr. Keating that he did. And his dad is letting him back in the play. Uh, lies. Mm-hmm. Uh Knox then goes to Christine's high school during the day to recite a poem to her and give her flowers. Creepy, 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 creepy. School security guard should have thrown his ass out. Full yeah. stop. I get what he's trying to do. That ain't it, honey. No. That ain't it. No, that's an after school activity. Go to the sock hop. Go to the go to the, the local Stalking a girl is an after school activity, says Dan O'Keefe. I mean better than an in school activity. They're disturbing the, the education of the other students yes. by stalking. Come on, please. Take your stalking elsewhere, please. <laughs> private school. Um, God. So Don't just stalk anybody in private school. Christine goes to the private school um, and tells Knox that she embarrassed him. Or They're, he embarrassed her. And she says, no, he says, no girls allowed. I'm going to get in so much <laughs> trouble if we get caught. And then... They go on a date. Yeah, he's like, well, first of all, she I hate have... you. I love you. I hate that. I want you. Ooh, lay it down, Dan. The she outlook literally... wasn't mm. bright for the mm. mother. No, wait, no, Dan. <laughs> <sighs> no, but she literally, she's classic. She's classic high school girl. She's mm-hmm. like, stop. But keep going. But stop. But keep going. Stop. Why'd you stop? Yeah. Wait. 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 This um, isn't what I wanted. This is not what I want. This is not what you planned? Correct. Uh, so they go to the, the whole Dead Poet Society, Mr. Keating. They all go. They watch him perform. Cheekbones perform as Puck. He's great. He looked like he was having a great time. He was having the time of his life. Kind of sucks that it was a one night only performance. I'd rather I I would I. Any show that I'm in, I hope they're one night only performances. What? You don't. What if you mess up and you want another chance to do it? I'm. My it's always my first night best performance. It's all downhill from there. Maybe I'm just too much of of a of a perfectionist but i feel like i'm always like oh crap i should have done that instead i want to try this i want to do that didn't like how i did that no Hmm. i'm like man that first night that was great second night i still have to go darn it gage thinks leave it all out on the court no troy bolton (laughs) you know i'm directing a performance of high school musical this spring what yes Oh my gosh, you heard it here first, folks. I know. I was only allowed to start announcing it recently. When? Where? Um, Oconomowoc, where we just did Little Shop. 
and it's not until May, so more details to come. Well, I guess I'm moving back. <gasps> Welcome back, Dan. You can't be in it, though. It's for kids. But Me? I want to be you. Troy's dad. Good. That's the only role yeah. that's available to adult <laughs> men. So. We were talking in an earlier episode about how I, I, I could be cast as a young dad. You could. You could. We could make it work. Yeah. I had this kid Get when I was eight. Um, well, speaking, I'm not going to make that get in the head in the game joke. Um, oh, God, Daniel. I didn't say it. Yeah, but you implied. Oh, okay. uh, Neil's father shows up and he's stern and he does not join in the standing ovation. But he was standing, so mixed signals. Yeah. Uh, he gets driven out by his dad and he's like, because of your defiance, we're pulling you out of this school. You're being sent to a military academy. He literally didn't even let his kid, like, greet his friends. They were all trying to tell him what a great job he did. Even the teacher, they were all trying to support him and be like, we loved your show, you killed it, like, we thought you did awesome. Mm -hmm. He was pulling him away. And it was so sad to watch. Yeah. Um, So after that, Neil, uh, his last line was, I was good, I was really good, heartbreaking. Um, he then pulls out, honestly, he, he goes and he pulls out his father's gun and he commits suicide in his father's office. Um, because of, it it feels like his, his world is closing around him. Um, Dan, I would just like to, to point out to you, this is like me being serious. I'm not trying to be funny. Mm -hmm. Um, we're supposed to say dies of suicide. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Dies of suicide. We learn something new every day. I'm just trying to help you be a better Mental health ally, advocate. You know what the best way to be a mental health ally is? It's to remember that the outlook wasn't bright for the Mudville Damn, Nine that I day. swear to God in my life, how many times are you going to do this? <laughs> I'm going to beat this dead horse until it comes back to life. No, no. Um, so the the gang, the boys, the society. Uh, Squad. Are, are told uh, of Neil's suicide in separate meetings. We uh, see a lover dying, or a lover crying. We do. He he cries in the snow. I mean, the scene where he's slipping and sliding is just anguish-filled. It's mm-hmm. just so sad. It's heartbreaking. heartbreaking. Really, it is. Filmed in one take. I mean, that reads, considering Ethan Hawke was sliding <laughs> all over the place. Tears everywhere. Plus, how are you going to get the snow to look that perfect again? You're yeah. not. So you will really only have one chance to get it right. Uh, so wait for tomorrow. They all are questioned by the headmaster about the club in meetings. Listen, the headmaster needs to get his head in the game. He doesn't need to be questioning them about their club. He needs to be getting them therapy. Mm-hmm. There are bigger fish to fry because I don't mean to be dark and gloomy, but I'd be worried that where there's one, there are people who are going to act out because their friend died and feel hopeless and lost as a result of that. So maybe it's just because I'm an adult now. (laughs) (laughs) But that would be my concern. I mean, it was 1959. Think of all the people that came back from World War II, from Korea. Absolutely destroyed are do you the 70s were the peak for serial killers in america yeah there's a lot of interesting i was just listening to a podcast about btk any sort of correlation in there 
Mm, I hope not. Um, I mean, correlation meaning World War II leads to serial killers. Hopefully there's oh. not a World War II again. Um, Let's just not have any serial killers or wars. That would be great. That would be great. Um, I'm good with just reminiscing on the old serial killer documentaries and not creating any new ones. That's fine. Good on reminiscing on the old wars. Mm. Uh, Dalton gets expelled because he punches Cameron. Uh, for betraying them. And I'm like, yeah, you go, Blood Coco. Get expelled. Fair. Um, and his defense is that he can save all their futures if they cooperate. That's Cameron's defense. Um, which is kind of like saying, hey, you know, if we throw this one guy off the boat, we'll all be fine. Or if we all shoot oh. ourselves in the foot, the gun will be out of bullets. I just... This really just shows the unraveling that can happen when something that drastic happens in the life of these young, volatile children. Mm -hmm. Not even these young adults. Like, some of them are probably 17 or 18 now. This is going to impact them for the rest of their life. They need therapy. They need, I'm looking at this like it's real life. I swear to God. I think this really <laughs> shows what happens when one member of your friend group is a little piece of shit. And he's always been a piece of yeah. shit. You always know who it's going to be. The little ginger with the crew cut is always bad news. Full stop. Seth Green. Mm-hmm. If they're ginger, it's a pass, but they're on thin <laughs> ice. They got a crew cut, game over. Really just... Really insulting half of our listener base. The only demographic information I have is hair color. 50% mm. red. I mean, Welcome. I, are you sure you're welcoming them? Watch your step. <laughs> uh, so Todd gets called into Nolan's office uh, and his parents are in there and Nolan forces him to sign a piece of paper saying that he was in the Dead Poet Society. Sighs heavily. Um, We're almost at the saddest part of the movie, Dan. We haven't hit it yet. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm sorry. Kidding. The saddest part of the movie was... When they threw over that perfectly fine desk set. Yup, something like that. Um, and he tries to get him to sign a piece of paper saying that Keating was abusing his authority. Um, and There's only one abusive authority here. We're not going to get to this finish line because I'm so heated anyway. <laughs> and he sees that Richard, Knox, Stephen, and Gerald had already signed the document. Um, but then when he gets threatened I'm with expulsion from the headmaster and from his parents... He signs it, basically gun to his head. Uh, yeah, doesn't he have any choice. Really had no other choice, but it's all lies. It's literally lies. It is. They're all forced. None of that's true. Yeah. No. People just didn't appreciate a good teacher, an encouraging teacher. That's something sought after today. Like I said, sought after in today's like educational world. You want a teacher who engages the kids and brings joy to the classroom and encourages but back then they were like boring or nothing i mean at that point the teacher the students were not there to be active participants in the class they no. were there to receive from the fountain of knowledge that which was the teacher and the textbook yeah they weren't there like, wasn't supposed to be discussions going on Ugh, i would fall asleep in class every single day yeah i would have been passed out um I don't think I 
Well, no, I probably would have been fine. I don't know. I would have had to do the reading. My attention span is just so low when it comes to like being lectured like that. It's so bad. Hmm. There was one lecture that I was in that I remember in high school um, where my teacher was talking about how the outlook wasn't bright for the Mudville 9 that Dan, day. Dan, <laughs> I swear to God on my life. It's, it's getting funnier for me and less funny for everyone else. Daniel... <laughs> Gage is going to complain to me about this. Oh, hearing good. From my people. Well, tell him to come on the podcast and say Ooh. it to my face. Ooh. Stupid boy, Gage. Defend yourself. Yes, talking about him right now. He got so mad at me this morning because I texted him because I found out that one of the women on Thousand Pound Sisters uh-huh. had a baby and she named it Gage. And he got mad at you for that? Yeah, because I made him watch a show and he said it was too icky. Mm, okay. Those are his exact words. <laughs> Uh, so Keating gets fired and he's forced to leave without any severance, without any, anything. Clean off. Booty. Um, and he is, doesn't get a recommendation letter. Uh, so basically he won't be able to teach at any school cause he got fired and nobody's going to want to hire some guy who got fired without any recommendation from his previous employer. Well, you know, sometimes you can get a job even though you got fired. It's okay. Maybe he could just move back to England and his old boss will just take him back. Speaking from experience? (laughs) Maybe. Uh, So. Listen, his skills just weren't appreciated. And I know that. I know how that is. Okay. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot that you want to say about (laughs) that that experience. Um, No, I'm in therapy. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, So. The headmaster, Nolan, he is takes over as the substitute teacher until they get a new substitute to replace him. Literally so boring. And he's like, where were you in your book? Turn to page 394. Oh, turn to page. (sighs) Snooze. That's me in the classroom. As they basically start over from the beginning, because they're like, Keating wasn't teaching you jack shit for the months that you had him. Got to start over. He taught them lots of stuff. Thank you very much. I'm getting heated, Dan. (laughs) I know. So Keating enters the room to collect the rest of his stuff from his office. And as he does, he sees how he he makes eye contact with Todd and the rest of the gang. Mm-hmm. And Todd is like, we were forced to do this. None of it's true. He made us sign it. None of, we didn't believe any of the things we were saying. Uh, and Keating is like, I know. And then he shoots his head up and gets frozen in carbonite. No. Shut up, Dan. <laughs> and Nolan orders Todd to be quiet to stop yelling. He tells Keating to leave. Uh, and as he's about to leave, say it with me now. Oh, Captain, my captain. my captain. Todd stands Proud up on the desk. Grim. No, oh, you like don't. I've, I've said it 19 <laughs> times. You still got it wrong. I couldn't remember the outlook was poor. No! That look was bad. No! That look was grim. The outlook wasn't bright. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I tried. And he gives, Todd's giving Keating a farewell salute. The rest of the gang stand up on the desk, except for Cameron and a couple of other students, because Cameron's a bitch. I feel like it's kind of funny that, um, the, oh, Captain, my Captain, is the poem that they chose considering 
they mentioned it briefly at the beginning of the film. And I But I they do they start calling him captain, captain throughout the movie. Yeah, okay. I'll let it slide this time. And Keating is touched. He says thank you. Thank you and then we fade mm-hmm. out. We don't even get a Todd went on to be ambassador to England in 1994. The movie isn't a rom-com from the thousands, Dan. <laughs> I know that Remember the Titans is based on a true oh, story, shoot. loosely I based on a true story, but they do that in like sports movies. And I know this isn't a sports movie, but they do play soccer in it at one point, so it counts. Yeah. Um, and that's Dead Poet Society. Fade out from Woo! there. We made it. Um, this was the first time I'd seen it. First time you'd seen it. Mm-hmm, that's correct. I'm with you. Not what I expected. Uh, I was a little upset because I was on the phone with my dad and I was telling him about my day. And he goes, well, mom said you were watching a movie. What movie are you watching? And I said, I am watching Dead Poets Society. And he goes... Oh. <laughs> so that's where I was at. Dan, I I literally went into this thinking the sad part was that the teacher gets fired. And mm-hmm. all I saw it coming from a mile away. I was like, he's going to die. There's going to be a death here. There's going to be a death in the family. I didn't see the death movie. coming. Oh, I predicted it. As soon as he got home from the play, I was like, I mean, at, once over. it got to that point. I, I kind of knew what was going to happen. But before that, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's going to be, you know, red turns. No, red never turns. No. Red's never turned in his life. He sees his son acting. He thinks he's going to become a pinko commie. Can't have that. Oh, Got to send him to military school. No. Um, is, acting. It's for communists. Is Bill and Ted's bogus journey a spiritual sequel to this film? At, in no. only the threat of Bill being sent to military school, or Ted being sent oh, to military school. I suppose. Also, I was thinking of uh, Bill and Ted today because I had Waterloo stuck in my head, and it reminded me of how that's the name of the water park that Napoleon goes to, mm-hmm. and it's funny because Napoleon. <laughs> Waterloo. Um, so, yeah, tell, get, now that we've gone through the movie, give me your thoughts. Aside from the fact that it's sad. It's sad and it's gay. <laughs> I know I've said that. I don't, again. This is not derogatory. coming for me. It's not derogatory. I straight up mean that this is a homoerotic film. I, I mean, I agree. It was, well, it just, it's a coming of age tale for the gays. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, there's just a lot. Like, you all jokes aside, it's it's a nice... I understand why they show it, or at least parts of it, in school a lot. Yeah. Um, I think today it would be kind of harder to show, just because with that death, I feel like that would be a lot heavier now than it might have been in the past. I mean, it's always been heavier, but you know what I mean? Like, that's a topic that more people talk about mm-hmm. openly, so I feel like that might be a little bit more delicate then in the past, you're just like, have your parents sign this permission slip because we're going to watch a movie where a teen dies. So, yeah, um, I mean, I was talking to Gage about it. We were kind of laughing about how, like, he watched it in one of his high school English classes, like the whole movie. Yeah. And I had only seen part of it in, like, an eighth grade English class. Seems a little early. Yeah. I mean, we only watched the end. Okay. 
So it's not like we were watching it at any other point because it is definitely inappropriate for kids of a certain age. High schoolers, I feel like it's okay, but I feel like even like sophomore and under, you might be a little too young just because the subject matter is heavy. I don't know. I think it's fine for high. I I think because it's. I mean, I'm also of the belief that I like if it's a movie about your age group, it's probably fine. True. I guess. I mean, I I oftentimes forget that like when I was in high school and actual high school kids themselves like actually see a lot of messed up crap just because kids think they're adults and they start doing adult things that they shouldn't be doing. Like drinking and having parties and staying out past nine. Yes, those are the things that I was referencing. (laughs) That is correct. In that order. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I accidentally swear in front of a teen and I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like, you're a kid. I shouldn't have done that. And they're like, I have heard worse at school. Fuck you mean, bitch? I swear all the time. You know what? I'm like, ah! But I'm older than you. (laughs) I don't know. It just feels like it's a good movie, but I'm glad I didn't watch it when I was younger because I don't think I would have really understood the 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 real depth mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um there were there were other English classes in my high school that watched this like in full mm-hmm. and everything. I it, I didn't uh in any of my English classes. So I was with you. I thought the sad part was when he got fired and mm-hmm. that was I thought that was in the middle of the movie or something. Well, because people always just describe it. They're like, what's this movie about? It's about a professor who gets fired and all the kids love him. Yeah. That's literally like the two-sentence description. But that's not what it's about. It's about friendship. No. It's about growing up. It's about discovering who you are, discovering what how you can seize the day and suck the marrow out of life without choking on the bone. See, even that was kind of beautiful, Dan. Thank you. It was quotes. I know. Um, but you... St- <sighs> there's a lot going on in my internally in my internally there's a lot going on internally with this uh whole episode um but i i think that this i i it's it, i'm not gonna say this is an original thing it is very paint by numbers kind of of the movie content the movie content the characters um yeah like none of none of this is in theory surprising none of this is groundbreaking all of this is ground that has been tread time and time again the grass is worn away yeah there's a desire path that people are walking on it's just Mm -hmm. dirt um but i'm going to quote a review from twitter user at willem debro of this that, film. That's not someone we know, no, is it? it is not. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because that felt like, I don't know who, but that feels like the username of someone we would have known. I know, but their review is, can't believe these cookie cutter white boys and their manic pixie dream teacher got me crying <gasps> in the club right now. Literally. And absolutely correct. I was sitting here and I was like, ugh, I'm confused. Everybody looks the same and Gage goes, it's because they're all white boys with brown hair and I yelled. <laughs> I was like, true. Um, That's why I was calling all of them by their facial features. I was like, you, Ginger with a crew cut. You, Kyle, cheekbones. You, yeah. Ethan Hawke. 
<laughs> one guy who is the son of the guy from Law and Order. Um, the there's the, one of the tall guys who do, has like two lines. He's Sam Waterson's son, who's on Law oh, and Order really? and the Newsroom and Grace and Frankie. Um, to let you know. Oy vey. I know some trivia. Yes. Uh, the cast, uh, the student cast, they all lived together. They all lived in like one room during filming. That's fair. They were probably like, what, 17, 18? Yeah. 19? And they filmed it in order so they could bond more through filming and get Oh, great. So when the character actually died and had to leave the set, they were probably sad. Yeah. They, they kept him off set after they filmed that That's scene. That's so mean. Um, I would feel if I was that actor, I'd be like, wait, I miss my friends. (laughs) The, yeah, the scene where Todd cries in the snow was shot in one take. It was originally Mm -hmm. planned to be interior, but the director thought it would look better in snow. And it did. It It looked beautiful. Um, Liam Neeson was originally cast as Keating, but he was recast um, when they got, when Peter Weir came on to direct, because the original Mm -hmm. director was Jeff Canu, Canoe, I don't know how to pronounce it. He was who he was the editor of Ordinary People. Mm. And he directed a book, Revenge of the Nerds. That's the movie I mm. recognize it as. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also directed three episodes of Touched by an Angel, which I'm sure. Oh, you, never watched her. Your mom would be happy to know. Thank you, Dan. I'm sure she would be. Ethan Hawke's first impression of Peter Weir, the director, he's Australian. Uh, Mm -hmm. His first impression was that he talks funny. Because he has an Australian accent. I mean that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Robin Williams was going through a divorce while filming. Oh. Yeah. And Norman Lloyd recalled that he was in a somber mood. Well, yeah, I mean, even if you don't love the person anymore, it's probably sad. And the, the full Oh Captain, My Captain poem mm-hmm. um, is about Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to read it to you. No, okay. Oh Captain, My Captain, our fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The port is near. The bells I hear. The people all exulting. While follow eyes the steady keel, the vessel grim and daring. But oh heart, 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 oh bleeding drops of red, where on the deck my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. And dead. Oh captain, my captain, rise up and hear the bells. Rise up for your for you the flag is flung, for you the bugle trills, for you bouquets and ribboned wreaths, for you the shores are crowding. For you they call the swaying mass, their eager faces turning. Here, Captain, dear father, this arm beneath your head. It is some dream that on the deck you've fallen cold and dead. My captain does not answer. His lips are pale and still. My father does not feel my arm. He has no pulse nor will. The ship is anchored safe and sound, its voyage closed and done. From fearful trip, the victor ship comes in with object one. Exalto shores and ring-o bells, but I with mournful tread. Walk the deck, my captain lies, fallen cold and dead. That was fucking depressing, Dan. 
The Would outlook like wasn't bright for the Mudville 9 that day. No. Would you like to hear a limerick I wrote when I was in fifth grade that I for some reason still have memorized? I would love to. There once was a penguin named Jack. Mm -hmm. He liked that his feathers were black. One day they fell out and he gave out a shout for he feared they would never grow back. Oh, that's Thank cute. Thank you. Thank you. When I was a kid, my brother would always say, there once was a man from Nantucket who kept a frog in a bucket. He woke up at night, or he, he something at night, something with fright, and then he said, oh, froggy, and I didn't get it. I didn't understand what the joke was, and I just laughed. <laughs> I just laughed because I wanted to fit in. That's not, that's not how limericks work. The joke is that it ends with fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, but the, and then he says, oh, froggy, as like a subversion. Oh, I was, was nine, okay. and I was like, okay. <laughs> frogs! I'm going to stick with my penguin poem. Yeah, I yours is better. Thank you. This is me snapping for myself. Oh, I'm giving it up. Thank you. Um, Sip your cappuccinos while I recite my limerick <laughs> about a penguin. <laughs> Would this movie be better, worse, or the same with Jonathan Taylor Thomas as uh, Todd? Cheekbones? I don't know, you pick. Love him, but there's no room for him here. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ends full. He's too snarky. None of this. Ki uh, these yeah, kids are all sincere. They're all genuine. Yeah. They really are sheltered private school kids. Yes. Like full stop. I just don't think there's room for Jonathan Taylor Thomas in this movie. No, I think he'd be the, the edgy outsider coming in. Yeah, and I feel like it's hard to say that because even though Robin Williams is a comedic actor, he wasn't really comedic in this movie. He was more like lovable in yeah. a in a normal way in an approachable way that like a normal person might be like oh he's kind of funny but he's also just like trying to have a good time and he's really passionate about this subject and i just don't think there's room for any real over-the-top funny snarky comments or comedy in yeah. this movie it, the the one scene where robin williams started doing impressions of people it, mm -hmm. it Reminded me to call back to a movie that we recently talked about of the scene in It Chapter Two when Bill Hader does his <laughs> Job of the Hut impression. I love the Job of the Hut impression. Um, oh, but yeah, I agree. I don't think JTT would be a strong fit, and I also don't think that George Clooney would fit in very well because he would have to be Keating or the dad. Yeah, he's too handsome. He's too handsome. He's too lovable to be Red Foreman. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's too handsome to be Robin Williams. The kids would all be in love with him instead of each other. True. And I think we really need to focus on the love of friendship and just the fact that they definitely were in love with each other. Yeah. So on a scale of one to five kisses with the homies, what do you give this movie? Four kisses with the homies. Uh, four, four kisses before going to bed with the homies. Mm. So it's just like a hair more meaningful yeah. than just like a goodbye yeah it's like a mm, think of me while you sleep mm -hmm. i liked it i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to uh you know long movies can oftentimes be hard for me just because i do have the attention span of a goldfish yes but i did really like this movie um i think if it was being retold today there would definitely be some changes to the plot mm -hmm. there would definitely be a romantic storyline there would definitely be more focus on probably just cheekbones 
Yeah. I feel like he's the lead. And we, Gage and I were discussing, like, it felt like there were just a lot of storylines going on at some points. It did feel kind of muddled in the middle. Yeah. There's some points, like, the whole thing with Knox, we don't really need, like, we don't need to meet the girl that he's pining over. Like, it could just be like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't want to find a way. It's good to add a woman into the movie in general. Uh, yeah, but otherwise she, it's a real sausage fest. She, uh, to, she doesn't matter to the story no, that they're telling, it, which is the story of the boys. Her whole role is to be his love interest, and that's it. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like... He already has okay. a love interest. One of the boys. The squad. They're, the squad's in love, so... Some I I will I I was joking but like some of the squad is in love with each other whatever but it's also like fraternal love and like friendship love which could be the yeah. love story there which I think is the I love story they meant to tell and then they just had the homoerotic undertones It was the Shakespeare for me I mean who I mean maybe you are out here reciting Shakespeare with the homies mm-hmm. but not midsummer not midsummer I recite Shakespeare with the homies constantly. I mean, Gage has gotten sick of me going, but so- uh, what was but it? soft. Yeah, but soft. What light through? Oh, what light through yonder window breaks? No, Romeo, Romeo, where the hell have you been, Loca? <laughs> That's what it was. I was thinking of the wrong scene. Yeah, I I love that. Is that in the first folio? I'm ignoring you. Okay, I'm I'm agreeing with That's you right where- now. I'm giving it a four. <laughs> I mean, like, recite what you want with the homies, you know? Yeah. But this is just my... That's just my opinion! <laughs> um, but, yeah. I, I am also giving it a four. Um, it's fun. I uh, It's kind of... Like I said before, it's kind of treading on well-tread territory. Um, it's nothing... It, it's very well done, but it's nothing groundbreaking. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we were watching it in 1989 when it came out, we'd be thinking differently, though. You yeah. know? Yeah, this is the hindsight of... 32 like, years. Yeah. This movie is old enough to have kids and It's almost old enough to run for president. Yeah. So maybe back then the focus of these kids maybe was a little bit more groundbreaking. But now I feel like we get a lot of stories about love and friendship and platonic love and stuff. The, if this was made now, I feel like it would end up with all the kids being way too edgy. Like Riverdale. Stop. Don't bring her into this. She's going through something. Are they still in, like, the Korean War? I literally have no idea. Gage and I haven't watched Riverdale since we were doing our show. We just would, like, go to rehearsal and come home and go to bed. Mm -hmm. So we just finished watching What We Do in the Shadows. We're finishing you right now. Then we'll probably do Riverdale. It's really important that you know that you is a show when you say that. We're finishing you. Oh, sorry. We're finishing <laughs> the acclaimed Netflix program "You," starring Penn Badgley and and Teller, uh, Vic- Penn Teller and Victoria Pedretti. <laughs> Today's episode was saucy. Oh, I believe it. We're really getting off topic at the end of this episode. Just going anyway. through what we're watching. I'm kind of watching a Korean romantic drama. Oh, everybody's been talking about K dramas. Maybe I should watch one. I'm watching Welcome to Plathville, too, though, and that's a reality TV show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I know about that. Anna loves that show. I love um, Welcome to Plathville. I'll be texting her. Oh, my gosh. You don't know how happy she'll be. 
Um, Tell her I'll be reaching out. I'm wrapping this up now. Okay. I, we're done. Uh, if you like the show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash inconclusion or follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at and in conclusion on Instagram at in conclusion podcast. I'm not forgetting about you. Don't worry. I'm just nodding my head. Uh, if you want to find me, I am on Twitter at Dan O'Keefe 86. I am on TikTok at not Dan O'Keefe. Anna. Dan. Race car auto. No, one of my coworkers was trying to come up with a new nickname for me today, and I felt so bad because he'd be like, has anybody ever called you this? And I'd be like, yup. be like, what about this? And I'd be like, yup. And then he's like, I'm going to have to come up with something palindrome themed. And I was like, if he comes out here to call me Anna Racecar or Anna Bob. <laughs> Anna, go hang a salami. I'm a lasagna hog auto. Yep. Where can they that, find you? Yep. You can find me on Instagram at Prime 818 or you can find me on Twitter at Autobots Roll Out, capital O for auto, capital P for bots, capital R for roll, and the O in roll, and the O in out are zeros. Hot dog! We will be back next week talking about... Goodwill hunting. So did you I'm cry? I'm kind of excited. You're ready to cry again? But this Why? time... Why? Why do you keep doing this to me? Hotter Matt Damon. Yes, he's so fine in this movie. I have not seen it the whole way through. I know it's about math, but I know Matt Damon looks good in this movie. It is about math the same way that High School Musical is about acting. It's a tertiary so it's feature. Okay, I was worried that you were going to have me sitting in on some fucking math Just lectures. and I was going to be ripping my eyeballs out. No, it's about math as much as that gif of the hangover is about math. Of okay. the equations flying around Zach Galifianakis' head. <laughs> That's me and every math class you've ever had. Uh, so we'll be back next week with Goodwill Hunting. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, have fun, and get vaccinated. Bye-bye. Bye. The outlook wasn't right for the month of nine. Dan, no, Dan. <laughs> I saw Goody Dan talking with the devil. A Creative Land podcast.